Well, good morning. Uh, every once in a while, they get a crazy idea here at the church, and they let me worship. I mean, let me let me preach on a Sunday. I'm always up there doing worship, but uh, um, so this is the Sunday. And hey, we're doing great on time. I think I got 45 minutes to preach, don't I? I mean, that would be no. I I normally when I get nervous, I get short. So we might be out of here in 10 minutes. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Um, uh, boy, did Christmas sneak up on us this year. I can't believe it. I, man, it seems like just last year, I was, I, it seems like just last week I was putting away the Christmas decorations, and now I'm putting them up. And uh, it seems like just the other day I was sweltering in the heat in summer, and now it's snowing. Um, I can't believe how this season has snuck up on me this year. Um, this summer, we decided to take the kids, Johanna and I decided to take the kids to uh, the fair, the county fair. We hadn't been for a couple years. And um, I think we took Slater along with us, too, Slater Coffin. And uh, we were walking through the fair, and of course, we passed the booth where it says, you know, pay a dollar, and you can come see this enormous pig, right? Or, or this enormous cow. I don't remember all that they had. But I usually just kind of, you know, go like this and thinking, boy, that's just a scam. I'm not going to go in there and see that pig. But uh, this year, my daughter, Sarah, she really, really, really wanted to see the big pig. So we, we paid our dollars and, and uh, stepped behind the curtain. And oh, my goodness. I don't know a whole lot about pigs, but that is undoubtedly the biggest pig I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> I mean, it barely fit in that pen they had it in. And, uh, I, you know, even, even the flies buzzing around this pig were huge. I mean, this thing was gigantic. And, um, and I caught myself standing there looking at this pig. I grabbed the rail, and I, my mouth is half, half open, and I'm staring. And I'm in wonder and awe at this, the enormity of this overfed swine. Um, and I was thinking about that as I was preparing for this lesson this morning, this sermon this morning, and I was thinking, boy, you know, um, I can come and get sucked into this smelly booth and stand in awe and wonder at, at this huge pig, but do I fail to understand the awe and wonder of my Savior lying in a manger, the bigness of that event, Right? And it's, it's so easy, isn't it, to get distracted and, and get, our, get our priorities mixed up as we come into this season. You know, I, a couple weeks ago, I showed the youth group some videos of, uh, of the, some of the Black Friday craziness. And um, I won't show any here this morning, but... Um, but, I mean, people beating each other up over cheap phones at Walmart. You know, isn't it just crazy? I mean, literally fist fights over saving a few bucks. Um, what's happened to us? What's happened to taking great joy in the birth of our Savior, our Messiah, the Lord of life coming in flesh, Emmanuel? Now, I'm gonna show, I am going to show you one f- clip here. Um, this is a, uh, I did show this to some of the kids in the youth group, but anyways, take a look at this guy, this kid, and his excitement. All right, here we go. Um, he knows you like war games. Too short. 
the dance. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't think I've been that excited about anything in my life. I don't know about you guys. Uh, but I don't know if you caught, it's kind of cool. One thing that kid said in that, in that clip, did you catch it when he grabbed the gift and he said, I thought you'd never come. Yeah. Did you see that? That was really cool. As we come into this, what we're talking about today, boy, are we that excited about the coming of Christ? I mean, we don't have to be that excited, but are we, are we excited Filled with joy, wonder at the coming of Christ. We thought he'd never come. Pretty cool. Well, my hope this morning as we talk, as we can better understand or maybe even recapture the wonder of the incarnation. And with joy, receive him this season. God, and and worship God in the manger. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you that we can come in your name this morning, God, and worship you, and that, Lord, that we can sit uh, at the manger and stare in awe and wonder at the bigness of this event. And, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be stirred and set aflame, God, with uh, awe and wonder and worship. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, let me, let me tell you a little bit of what we're gonna, where, where we're going to go this morning. Uh, we're going we're gonna to read through the Christmas story found in Luke, and I want to touch briefly on the shepherds and the manger, but I want to spend most of the time talking about who is this guy? Who's this little baby born in this manger this day? And really focus in on there. So let's go ahead, and um, I'm going to set up the scene just a little bit, and then we'll go ahead and read that passage in Luke 2. So... Uh, the Israelites have been waiting for a savior, a redeemer, a Messiah. Um, in fact, some say that it, the first prophecy or the first mention of the Messiah goes all the way back to Genesis 3. Genesis 3 is right when, when uh, the, Adam and Eve have already sinned. Uh, God is rebuking the serpent, Satan, and he says, what does he say? He says, he will crush his head and you will strike his heel. And, and a lot of people say that that and believe that that's a reference to the Messiah, the first reference to the Messiah, who would eventually come to defeat Satan. So from the beginning, there's been a longing and a hoping and a groaning for redemption. Now throughout history, Israel, short history on Israel, they've had, you guys, if you know your Old Testament, you know this, they've had times where they were following God and God's blessing was on them. They had lots of times when they weren't following God and worshiping other gods, and God was using circumstances and different countries and peoples to to try to to conquer them and try to draw them back into his fold. And in this particular instance, that's where we're at. The the Israel has been uh, conquered uh, by the Roman Empire. They're under Roman rule. And so there is a political, very physical oppression on the people. They long to be free. And they believe that God's people are supposed to be free. That God's blessing would be freedom. There's also 
there's also religious bondage. You know, they are under the weight of all the law, right? The laws upon the laws upon the laws and, and what the scribes and teachers and all those people are, are the weight of the yoke that they're putting on the people in order to try to be perfect, to try to atone for their sin, which is impossible. So there's both a, a political bondage and there's a religious bondage. And the people are groaning for a savior, longing for a savior. Um, and so the moment is ripe, right? God chooses this exact moment in time to send his son in the flesh to save mankind. Everything in history is pointed to this moment. And Luke tells it, you know, he tells it really straightforward and really simply. And let's go ahead and read that. Let's read the, this is in Luke 2, uh, verses 1 through 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to, to Galilee in Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at the shepherd, what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen, heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. All right. So let's talk about the shepherds just for a minute as we we look at this story. Have you ever wondered, why shepherds? You know, why did God entrust this amazing message to a, whole, to a bunch of lowly loners out in the countryside, you know? Why? Um, I think it's a little beyond maybe some of the obvious of maybe these guys were kind of nomadic and would, you know, would spread the word moving around a little bit more. I think there's more to it. And yeah, let me get over there. Um, and I think, I think it's really because God has an affinity with shepherds. Think about it. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were shepherds. So was David. King David was a shepherd, right? In fact, David probably shepherded his flocks in these same fields where the angel just appeared to these shepherds, right? 
David. And God has the heart of a shepherd, right? God was referred to his people as the shepherd of Israel. The psalmist personally exclaimed, the Lord is my shepherd, right? David exclaimed that. Peter referred to Jesus as the chief shepherd. And Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd who's willing to lay down his life for the sheep. That includes you and me, by the way. That's a good thing. Uh, God is coming in person to gather the lost sheep of Israel and all of mankind to himself. He told, uh, he told the news, to, and he told that news to his fellow shepherds first. That's pretty cool. Affinity with shepherds. Now let's talk just for a minute about the manger. Why, why the manger? Why did Jesus need to be born in a smelly stable and laid in a manger. Um, You know, clearly it wasn't a normal thing, right? Because, I mean, he mentions it three times, and he says, this will be your sign. You'll find him in a manger. And so clearly there was no other chance that there'd be a child that morning born in Bethlehem, or that evening born in Bethlehem that was laying in a manger, right? Jesus would be the only one. So I pondered this for a while. I was thinking about, man, why, what's, what's, what's the deal? Because he does mention it three times. It is a big deal. And I believe that God has reason and purpose behind everything that he does, including having his son born in a barn and placed in a manger and a, true, and a food trough for animals. The bread of life placed in a food trough. And I believe that it really does reveal and show us what God's true nature is, okay? Um, why don't you turn, if you can, or you can just look up on the screen, in Philippians 2, 5 and 8. Something wrong? The cable came out? You want help with it, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, where was I? Philippians 2, 5 and 8, 5 through 8. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death. On a cross. Jesus came in humility. I would even say Jesus is humility. And we learn the very nature of God, which is humility. Because Jesus came to show us the Father. Right? Kings are not born in stables, right? They're born in palaces, wrapped in silken robes, and attended by nurses and physicians, and placed in opulent bedding. Jesus was born in a rank barn filled with animals wrapped in rough cloths and placed in a feeding trough. Clearly a more humble beginning than any other children born that night in Bethlehem. So now we really get to it. I want to spend a bit of time really talking about who is this? Who is this that was laid in that manger that night? Born in these humble surroundings. Back in verse 11 of the Luke passage, it says, 
Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And I thought about that term. It says, I think it says Christ the Lord in the, in the passage, actually. But I, I was thinking about that term Lord. And so I was looking through Old Testament, New Testament, and found out there's, boy, three different Hebrew words used for Lord in the Old Testament. Uh, really the one that, the, the, the real important one being, I don't know if you read in your Old Testament, and you see sometimes it says Lord and it's all capitals, right? And, and that is the term Yahweh. That is the term for, that is the name of God when it says the capital letters Lord. Um, in the New Testament, uh, the, the Greek, there's only one word for Lord. And so you've got to infer the meaning from the context. And this passage actually does, does two different versions of Lord. It has, if you, if you remember at the beginning, it said, um, the angel of the Lord came to those shepherds. And that Lord refers to Yahweh. You know, it's, this is God's angel come to speak the truth to you. When, when, uh, when that angel says, this is the Messiah, Christ the Lord, that Lord refers to Jesus' kingship. It's a messianic lordship. It's the coming rule of this, of this king forever, ruling on the throne of David forever. Right? The Lord over all creation. That's what he means by Lord. Um, recently... I've been teaching for uh, about a year and a half uh, with Rock over at the launch pad. And um, this semester we were uh, going through the life of Christ, teaching through the book of John. And I've really enjoyed this, this, uh, this set of lessons. And, and uh, what I've been struck with is, you know, you'll, you'll be telling a story, going through whatever chapter of the scripture, and every once in a while Jesus will let this messianic secret kind of slip out, right? Often he's just, he's healing people, he's teaching, he's, you know, he's going about doing, doing his Jesus thing, but then every once in a while he'll get up and he'll just say, I'm the guy. It's me. I'm him. You know, and he lets it slip out. And I was, I was uh, recently um, teaching on the resurrection of Lazarus. And I was, and uh, you guys probably are familiar with the story Right, Jesus has these friends, Lazarus, then his sisters, Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha have someone come visit Jesus and say, hey, Lazarus is sick, you better come quick. Um, but Jesus delays, um, and he, does, he winds up showing up after, after Lazarus is dead. And, uh, and uh, he's confronted with Mary and Martha who are saying to him, Jesus, if you'd only been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. He'd still be alive, right? And I want to, I'm going to show you a clip of it, actually. Um, let's see. There's a clip right when uh, Jesus is confronted with Mary and Martha, and I, I love what he has to say. So here, look at this. Your brother will rise again. Rise? Yes, he will rise on Judgment Day. The resurrection of us all. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never 
never die. That's just one of those mind-exploding moments, if you guys really take a hard look at that in the Scripture. I think one of the most profound moments, I, I will say for me, in the Scripture um, Jesus could have said, oh, you know what, I'll raise him from the dead. Or, you know, I'll give him back his life. But what does he say? He says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I'm the guy. I'm the one, right? I'm the one. I am the Lord of life. I, I just got to imagine that Mary and Martha were just like, you know, wow, we, we knew you were our friend and a good teacher, and, you know, you did some awesome miracles, but, boy, we just had God show up on our doorstep, right? And, of course, this, this, is, a, this is a movie called The Robe that that clips from, and they do a great job showing the awe and wonder as he raises, I, won't, I can't show it to you today, but as he raises Lazarus from the dead. The Lord of life showed up at their house. The Lord of life showed up on Christmas morning. So who is, this Lord, who is this Lord of life? Let's look really quickly at John chapter 1. Kind of moving all over the place this morning. But anyways, John chapter 1. And John's going to reveal to us who this guy is, okay? Got it up there? All right. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to, became, to become children of God. Children not of natural descent, nor of human decision, but of a husband's will but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace. The word became flesh. The eternal Lagos, the Son of God, came down from heaven clothed in the flesh of a baby, and now is lying in a manger in a barn, surrounded by his mom, his stepdad, the animals, and the shepherds. The creator, it says, everything was made through him. The Lord of life has arrived to bring life. Right? Do you think Mary and Joseph really understood or really know what's happening? Do you, do you think the, the, the shepherds really understood. Do we really understand? It says that Mary treasured all these things that were said about Jesus in her heart and pondered them. So as we ponder this story of the nativity, I, I want to challenge us to join 
Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, and just to sit around that manger in awe and wonder of God in the flesh. The Lord of life placed in a manger. I'm going to show you one more. I didn't, yeah, one more clip. And uh, I love this. This this is from the Nativity story. Um, It's a great clip that captures that moment, right? Now, this clip also has, you know, a lot lot of stuff that's not in the scripture, but but it at least captures that awe and wonder of, of, of coming in contact with the Christ child. All right, so let's, let's watch this really quick. of kings, born in the most humble of places. God made into flesh.
gift of myrrh to honor thy sacrifice. across a great quote as we are closing today um, by this guy, Dave Noder, and I want to read it to you. That's what he says. The creator of everything became the creature, fully God, fully man, so we could see what God was like. Up close and personal. He humbled himself so that everyone could identify with him. Even the lowlifes of the world, the outcasts, the brokenhearted sinners, and totally broken people. God was and is at eye level for everyone willing to bow down and see this thing that the Lord has made known to us. That's a great quote. Unfortunately, during this time of year, we can skip right over the wonder of Christmas, life coming to give us life. So the question is, is have we made room for the Lord of life this season to come and dwell with us? Have we sat in wonder and worship at the miracle of Jesus coming in humility to be our Savior and the Savior of the world? Let's open our hearts to the humble King God who came in flesh to save us. And let's worship him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you came. That you, in humility, came and took on flesh. The Lord of life, you came to bring us life, God. Our only hope, God, is in you. The greatest moment in all of history, God, when you stepped down and came into this world. And Lord, I, my prayer for us is that we would not lose sight of the wonder of that day, of that moment, God. And that this season, God, we would, we would live in that moment at, at the manger, looking in awe and wonder upon you, God. And Lord, we praise you. We worship you. We thank you, God. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. My name is Bill Mogensen, and we get to celebrate Holy Communion today. So today, it's uh, what I want you to really just kind of imagine and envision is 
Jesus on that night in that upper room with his disciples. And they're there to celebrate Passover. So they, it's that traditional Passover meal and celebration that they'd been doing on that same uh, night for over 1,500 years. And so the reason for that, uh, for that Passover meal and that celebration is to remember. And it's to remember God delivering Israel out of Egypt. So I wanted to just read from Exodus uh, 12. And they're talking about, um, this is the first time. So this is, they're talking about, here's how God is commanding, here's Moses is telling them, here's how you're going to do this, right? Here's how you're to eat it with your belt fastened, your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand. And you're to eat it hurriedly. It is the Lord's Passover. For that night I'll pass through the land of Egypt and kill all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and animals. And I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will serve you as a sign marking the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over. When I strike the land of Egypt, the death blow will not strike you. This will be a day for you to remember and celebrate as a festival to the Lord from generation to generation. You are to celebrate it by a perpetual regulation. So that's why they did it. And so that was the first Passover meal. And so Jesus, um, fast forward now 1,500 years back to Jesus in that upper room. And he's with his disciples, and uh, he, he's taking the bread. He gives the blessing, and he says, Take and eat this. This is my body broken for you. So that was, it was different. I mean, he broke, he broke the tradition of that, of that typical meal and what they normally go through. This is my body. This is my blood. And this changed everything. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Normally it was they're remembering, you know, Israel coming out of Egypt, God delivering them. He says, now do, when you do this, you're going to think about me. Sorry. So... And he did the same thing with the, with the cup. This cup is a new covenant ratified by my blood, which is being poured out for you. So this, this is why we celebrate Holy Communion, to remember his sacrifice, that he delivers us out of the bondage of sin and into the freedom of salvation. But so we've, we've got, here's what I'm trying to roll into. The first Passover meal, just imagine Egypt, Israel being led out. The Last Supper, 1,500 years later, Jesus' crucifixion. But there's another meal, another celebration that we have to look forward to. Because Jesus said, I won't drink of this cup again until I drink it in my uh, with in my father's kingdom anew. 
So in Revelation 19.9, the angel said to me, write, how blessed are those who have been invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. So tonight, or today, as we uh, celebrate communion, let's remember what God did way back and what Jesus did on the cross and what we have to look forward to. So we're going to take communion now, and anybody that's uh, accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior is welcome to uh, participate. You can get up from your seats and come up and, and take the elements and take them back. So let's pray. God, King of the universe, we just thank you for all that you've done for us. And today we just remember uh, your awesome gift that you gave us. And we also look forward to that day when we can just celebrate a wonderful, wonderful feast with you that will be like no other Thank you, God, for all you do, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ah, oh, got it. The Lord of life coming in flesh to be among us, Emmanuel. Lord, help us not to lose uh, the wonder of that this season, God. And help us go forth from this place like those shepherds, proclaiming the truth of what you've done, God. So we stand and, or we kneel before you, God, and we worship you, and we thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, thank you for coming today. Go and proclaim that message. And if anyone needs prayer, there'll be people up here that can pray with you this morning, okay?